Oh, man. All right. So, oh, yeah, suckers. Okay. Uh, I know. I thought the same thing you did. Anytime you hear anything that rhymes with smuckers, you start to panic in radio. Man, we have some breaking news to cover that we had no idea was going to cover today. Like, we... Did you have any inkling of an idea that this was going to happen today? No, no, not at all. Like not even a little bit. If anything, I was starting to lean the other way. Same. That that this timeline has gone on too long. That something must be up. So John texted me on the bridge. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I do the Bluetooth. Thankfully, yeah, yeah. Responsible citizen, and um, and announced to me something that uh, I didn't know how I was going to feel when it happened. We've been fighting for this for so long now. That I had almost not given up, but I had lost a little bit of hope that we were going to get the conclusion that we wanted. Well, I think our emotions have kind of been directly tied to the Hewlett family because when they found these moments of peace where maybe they thought everything was on the up and up and they got some words of encouragement, whether it be from the sheriff or whether it be from the state attorney, we followed suit. And then over the past few weeks, clearly the Hewlett family has started getting impatient again, wondering what the hell is going on. And we've been right there with them. So I've. I don't know that I've been this personally invested in a story in a long time. And I don't know if it's because Brad Hewlett's a dad like me. Brad Hewlett's a dad of a, uh, of a teenage son like me. Uh, I'm a gun owner, and I believe in gun safety, so that's another box that's checked in this. And I'm big on personal accountability. And in this whole scenario, I've seen a very disgusting and disappointing lack of compassion and personal responsibility on behalf of the parents of the teenage boy who shot and killed Bradley Hewlett back in December. Let me honk the conk because we do that on Fridays here. And uh, even though it is uh, somewhat somber of a story, there is at least a few steps towards closure. Is that an okay way to say that? I mean, at least a, a step clo- uh, closer to, to peace. I don't know what closure is like uh, in a situation like this, but, it, you know, a, a, a small little bit of peace can be found. Right. And that's exactly what Brad Hewlett said. And we will talk to him today at 430 about today's developments. Here's the conk conk. And this one's for everybody in the Hewlett family and all of the Hewlett supporters and everyone who even hashtagged or thought about Bradley Hewlett, who was gunned down in the prime of his life by someone he called a friend. Um No family should ever have to suffer a tragic loss like this, a loss that, by the way, was completely preventable, in my opinion, in a number of different ways. Proper gun safety and storage might have prevented this from happening. Teenage boys doing the right thing might have prevented this from happening, but we can't do anything about the past. All we can do is send our thoughts and our love to the Hewlett family and our sincere hope that today's news brings you closer to peace and if there is closure to be found, then that as well. But here is uh, today's conk conk for the Hewlett family and friends. I feel like that's what Bradley deserved. Yeah, right there. yeah. I mean, I didn't know him, but I feel I feel like I do now through this whole thing. Let me retrace our steps back to December. Uh, John, in the role of producer, he plays the role of producer and co-host, sent me a story and said, "This story is not getting the publicity that it deserves." 
and I looked at the story, and the details seemed vaguely familiar to me. I had remembered that uh, that at a Tampa Police Department officer's house, some kids got a hold of a gun, and another kid was shot and killed. I didn't know most of the particulars. And it's funny, because I don't know if you remember exactly back to that day, uh, we had Craig Gass in the studio, and we did it in oh, an, a, like right. an abbreviated version of the joints. And I mean, we were going to talk about it, and we were going let it, to let it breathe, but... Um, you know, he was so amped up about it. The callers got so amped about it. And I think once we started just in real time digging into what was going on, everybody felt what we were feeling in those moments. And it, it just kind of snowballed from there for, as far as we're concerned. Correct. And then as the show, as we the story more developed, the sister called in yeah. and then the yeah. father called yep. in. That, yeah, that day. Yeah. That first day, right? Yep. So we spoke to Bradley's sister and Bradley's father that first day. Seeing our friend Craig Gass, national touring comedian, um, and his reaction to it gave us a good gauge of public outrage because what you had was at the home of a cop, teenage boys get a hold of that cop's weapon, not his service weapon, but his weapon, which should never happen in the first place, right? Uh, you, you would hope, you would think. Trigger lock, properly uh, stored in a safe, whatever, that part should never have happened, but it did. One kid, 15 years old, we now know, goes behind Bradley Hewlett as he's playing a video game. He does something that no one should ever do, which is either think that a gun is not loaded or even worse, knows it's loaded, pulled the uh, trigger as it was pointed at Bradley's head, killing Bradley Hewlett, good student, good friend, good athlete, good guy, bringing his life to an end. From that moment on, I believe that several parties acted in a very unfortunate manner. Some of the teenage boys refused to speak to investigators even after they lawyered up because they wanted to cover their ass. One of the kids, I believe, got immunity, right? Yes, that was the, that was the police officer's son. Right. Got immunity. There are varying takes on whether that bedroom door was indeed locked, and I look forward to getting those details as this case hopefully reaches the court system. You've got a 15-year-old boy who today, today, at long last after us, beating this story to the ground of us harping on and harping on not wanting this story to die on the vine as so often happens. Because look, I trust that justice will be served most of the time, but you're going to tell me that there's no opportunity for malfeasance if a kid is killed at a cop's home and no one will talk about it. This is the kind of thing where could drag on for years, could just, could just wither away completely. We've got a massive amount of details coming out as we speak. The uh, state attorney just came out and spoke shortly ago. Uh, the evidence clearly established, this is from the state attorney, the evidence clearly establishes that this was a tragic accident where all the boys mistakenly believed that the gun was not loaded, Warren said in a statement. The lack of intent or malice, however, does not foreclose that a crime occurred. Here's where it gets into the details we did not know. Investigators say the four boys went to the Fishhawk home after school on December 13th. The police officer's master bedroom was locked while the boys were home, but state attorney Andrew Warren says the officer's son used a paper clip to unlock the door so he could get inside to use the bathroom. When he was done, he did not lock the door behind him. Warren then says the son went back into the master bedroom later with the two, two of the other boys to find a plunger. 
While they were in the bedroom, investigators say they noticed the father's gun sitting in a safety holster on the table. The state attorney says there was no magazine in the gun, but there was a single round in the chamber. The boy who lived in the house mistakenly believed the gun to be unloaded and engaged the safety release to remove it from the holster. This is from the state attorney. He took the gun out of his father's room along with the two other boys, returned to his bedroom where the fourth teenager, the victim, was sitting at a desk playing games. Forgetting about the legal aspect for a moment, how do you feel as a Tampa Police Department officer knowing that your failure to clear the chamber, which is something that a gun novice like me knows, led to your a bunch of kids at your house shooting and killing a teenage boy? Gun sitting on the table. Maybe to you that's a safe enough way to store your gun, sir. Maybe to you you thought no one's going to gain access to your bedroom. I have teenage boys. Would I leave something in the bedroom behind a locked door that I didn't want them to get a hold of without making sure that was secure? Good God, no, I would not. He goes on to say, in this matter, the shooter pointed the gun in the direction of the victim and pulled the trigger without knowing, and therefore, under the law, without caring whether it was loaded, this conduct sufficiently demonstrates a reckless disregard for human life. The 15-year-old has been arrested. He turned himself in shortly ago, shortly, short time ago. The state attorney also said the minor's access must have been likely, not just possible or foreseeable, and the father's belief that the gun was secure must have been unreasonable, not just mistaken or ill-advised. In this situation, there is no legal basis to charge the father for fail- failing to safely store his gun. Okay, I, I get where you're coming from. I think Andrew Warren made the appropriate charge in this case to charge the boy, young man, whatever you want to call him, with manslaughter. I don't think you're going to get a conviction, which is clearly what he's outlining there, against the father. It, well, I mean, if you've got to pick a lock to get into the room where it is, I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, you've got people going into a room that obviously their dad did not want them to go into. Now, if it wasn't a full-blown safe in the room, the lock's probably a lot harder to, to get through. But, but, I mean, if you're Having to do something to pick a lock to get into a room, I, I think that counts for something. It does, but didn't it say in the, and I'm just asking, didn't it say in the initial report that the door was unlocked? I'm just asking. Well, I mean, obviously, whether it did or didn't, I, I think at this point we go with what the state attorney's saying. Okay. Well, and despite that, as a law professional, you should know the, the like gun regulations and the safety precautions you should take. I think that any parent who has a concealed weapons license and has a weapon in the home, it should be in a safe that has a separate key that is probably hidden in either a closet or a place that's not easily accessible by anybody. An officer of the law who sees the result of careless gun storage on a daily basis should, in my opinion, take extra precautions to have a trigger lock, to have a fingerprint safe where only you can open that and not to leave a gun laying on a table behind a locked door of a room. Yeah, and I think the other thing uh, now with more of these details coming forward is we're not talking about infant children. We're not talking about five, six, seven, right. eight, ten year old. We're talking about a 15, 16 year old boy who right. on his way to being a man who had to forcefully enter a room that he should have not been in. True. And then someone also had to be stupid enough to pick up a gun Correct. and pull the trigger to the back of their friend's head. So, I right. mean, I don't think – if this is all true, 
I may be more at peace with the police officer not being charged than I than I thought I could be. I get that. If that, do- if that door was locked and these kids broke into a room that they were not supposed to be in as young men. Totally get that. When you're 15 or 16 years old, you know the consequences of your action. And the ultimate, no matter what happened to get the gun in the kid's hand, the ultimate responsibility goes to the kid who had the gun in his hand and pulled the trigger. Right. That is the ultimate responsibility, and that's who caught a charge. Here's some more frustration on my behalf. While this case has been moving along very slowly but diligently, and once I have to say, I've said it before and I'll say it again, Hillsborough County Sheriff Chad Cronister dotted every I and crossed every T in the investigation incredibly and deftly and handed it over to State Attorney Andrew Warren, who then did a thorough and diligent job in announcing charges and seeing what charge could stick. But in that time, you've got a family looking for answers, right? You've got the sister of a kid who was shot and killed going to the same school as a kid who shot and killed her brother. Everyone at the school knew it. The parents knew it. Now, Hillsborough County Schools, their hands were tied because they can't force the kid not to go to school until there are charges filed. I get that part of it. But you parents of this young man knew this whole time that your kid had shot and killed Bradley Hewlett and you let him go to school where you knew that Bradley's sister was extremely uncomfortable, if not distraught. Shame on you. Uh, and I would I would still argue to the school's point. I mean, they can say whatever they want and reference any law and say they don't want to do this or that. They could have stepped up and done the right thing, in my opinion. Just knowing what took place in that house, knowing those students were there, they could have stepped up. And I hope... Well, I don't want to say I hope, but how does it feel now to know that your kids were in a school with a kid who's now going away for manslaughter, who was arrested today? I mean, it's it's no longer up for nobody has to wonder anymore. You can't right. you can't have these moments where you say, well, what if maybe it's going to go this way for the last however many months your kids were going to school with a kid who's now possibly on his way to prison. They were following protocol, but you can't tell me if you can suspend a kid for a photo that they take on Snapchat away from school time and they've broken no law. You can't tell me that there was there wasn't some way to find to lean on these parents or to lean on this kid to get him to do the right thing and not go to school as a kid who killed the classmate and brother of your students. Not only that, but I don't know how administration couldn't find a reason to think that he was a danger to the rest of the kids of course. in school. So in this day and age in our society, there's mass shootings, there's any type of threat, you're automatically suspended, if yep. not expelled, from a school. Correct. And when you're already known that you were involved in this incident, all of the kids who were involved should yep. have been expelled. No question. And so many people should be speaking up about that. When we talk about the shootings that have happened local or you know in the state of Florida, the Stoneman Douglas shooting where all these new laws were bought uh, you know brought to you know fruition, now you've got a kid at the very least improperly was handling a firearm that, le- that w- within the same room where a kid was killed. Right. You're telling me that's not enough if we're really looking out for our kids and we don't want kids to be in danger to say, hey, let's keep these kids out of school until, right. the, until the law runs its course. Correct. But the ultimate responsibility, in my opinion, to keep that kid out of school lies with the mom and the well, dad. And they should have done the right thing and not had that kid go to school. When everything else fails, yes, you would hope that the parents would at least step up and uh, and do the right thing, which they didn't. And now... You know, seven two seven five seven nine one zero two five and eight hundred seven seven one one zero two five. Drew Garabo live. Hi, how can we help you today? Yeah, I just want to talk to Drew. That's me. I'm Drew Garabo. How can I help you? 
Yes, sir. I find it what you're talking about the fact that why was they why was he breaking into his father's room to go to one to a bathroom in mm-hmm. Fishhawk? I do construction for a living. I know there's more than one bathroom in them homes. Um, sir, I understand you're asking questions that are important to you, but these questions, quite frankly, don't matter right now. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I don't know the answer to that question either. There's a lot here that doesn't make sense to me, but but as of right now, yeah, I know. Oh, I know. I appreciate that. Somebody should somebody should take responsibility. I I just it kind of fishy that they nobody them kids don't. They're not coming forward truthfully. I think they're holding back. Well, again, the investigation's complete. The charges have been filed. I definitely get where you're coming from. Don't get me wrong. And I share some of your same confusion and frustration. But the bottom line is you now have a 15-year-old kid who is facing manslaughter charges. Now, do you think he should be charged as an adult, John Senning? Your honest opinion. Me too. Yes. Me too. Yes. Yes. Me too. I mean, 15 is... (laughs) You knew what you were doing. I can only go with what I know I felt like at 15 and I, I would never pick up a gun, probably, let alone a real gun and point it at the back of somebody's head. Correct. If, if you don't know that, uh, it's more of a failure of, of your parents than it is uh, a representation of who you are at 15. Yeah. Um, if you're 15 and you're holding a gun and you trip and it drops and it actually goes off and kills somebody, I could see where they might want to charge you as a juvenile. If you're 15 and you have a gun in your hand and you pull it, pull the trigger behind a kid's head. You knew exactly what you were doing, and you should be charged as an adult. Drew Grabo Live, how can I help you? Yeah, quick question. Um, yep. The kid got immunity, and right. he basically said he picked the lock. Right. Can he say whatever he wants to because he got immunity, so maybe he's saying that to cover his yeah. dad? Um, again, you're asking great questions, probably. Uh, you know, I, I, all I know, all I can go by is the information we now have. I, I have the same questions you do. Okay, take it easy. Then the immunity thing was pro- supposedly all good unless they found any reason to believe that he wasn't telling the truth. So right. first and foremost, a kid came forward that was there and told the story. So I would imagine if the kid who had been keeping quiet story ended up being completely different than the kid who talked from the beginning, that would have been a red flag. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Totally. So I, I think that theory makes sense with that guy saying. Definitely. Be- because I, they obviously had it figured out on what they needed to do to make sure that they didn't uh, end up being on the hook for any of this. I'm just really satisfied to a certain degree that charges were filed in this. I, I had an inkling that there weren't going to be charges. You and I just talked about it this past week, John. We didn't, we didn't feel good about the possibility of charges being filed. And in my opinion, that would have been so disappointing and unfair to the family of Bradley Hewlett who deserve justice. They're never going to find complete peace because their son, their brother, he's gone because of the reckless actions of another young man. Not boy. You're not a boy at 15. You're a young man. Drew Grab Alive, hello. Travis? Yes, hi. How are you? Good. What's up, buddy? So much. This is my first time calling, so I'm sorry. I'm a little nervous. You're good, buddy. Uh, Don't worry about it. about the immunity thing with the whole son thing. Like, he broke into the bedroom and get like pretty much if it wasn't for him then the, you know the kids wouldn't have had the gun so sure. I, I don't understand how he got immunity and uh he's not being charged as an accomplice or something along those lines i've watched and a lot of law and order episodes away, so pretty I, much yeah no i and the, and the authority with which i can speak on this one is based on a lot of law and order episodes and nothing else but i think that if you're getting no one who's talking and then a kid comes forward and says i'll talk but you got to give me immunity 
they're probably going to take that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's better than no one talking. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying it gets you accurate information, whatever. I'm just saying that's probably, in my opinion, based on watching television programs, what took place here. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you, man. Great first call. 727-579-1025. All right. I know a lot of you want to weigh in on this, and so do I. Um, we have a special guest next uh, who, in my opinion, helped us really put together an unbelievable event when it comes to uh, helping out our local community. One of our down-to-bowl title sponsors, Dennis Hernandez, is going to join us next, and we're going to talk about why uh, the cause is so near and dear to him, which of his wrapped cars he's going to bring to the event tomorrow, and uh, we'll get into a whole lot more next on Drew Garabo Live.